Old Testament reading this morning you can find on page 748 in the Old Testament portion of the Church Bible, and that'll be Isaiah chapter 60. beginning to read at the first verse, Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1, part of the book in which God brings to his people a message of hope and restoration. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. This is the word of the Lord. second reading is to be found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, beginning to read verse 1. This you can find on page 1048 in the Church Bibles. Luke, chapter 15, beginning to read at the first verse. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you that you have a glorious vision 
a vision to welcome all people into your kingdom and into a community that will reveal the manifold wisdom of God to the world. See how these people love each other, that the world should believe you are Lord of our lives. And so we pray as we open your precious word this morning that you would come into the preciousness of our lives and enrich them with your presence and with your joy. Amen. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes muttered, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable, and the word parable there is singular, although he does go on and tell three stories. It's about what is lost. It's a lost sheep, it's a lost coins, and it's a lost son. We reveal three heroes, a good shepherd, a good woman, and a good father. And it's about eating and drinking and parties, for each story ends with a celebration, with hospitality being offered. All are welcome, you see, to come to this party. And as we meet here this morning, we are aware, as we have already been, of the horror that filled the streets of Paris just days ago. And in looking at all those images, in seeing the lives affected, we can grow frightened, we can be appalled, and we can get angry about the world that we live in and its fragility and its vulnerability, both in Paris and also in Syria. Jesus came into this same world and said clearly that people have lost their way. People are lost. In Matthew's gospel, he talks about the people being like sheep again, but without a shepherd. And they're being ravished and torn apart by the world because they have no shepherd. We prayed earlier, we like sheep have gone astray. And therefore, we need to recognize that there is a need to be rescued. We have turned to our own way and we mess things up. And we do the things we don't want to do, and the things that we do want to do, we don't end up doing. And this is sin at work within us. It's our rebellion against God. It's our rejection of His ways, of wanting to be following the shepherd. And when this happens, our soul still needs to be fed on something. And if it's not on Christ, the one who will lead us to pastures, green and still waters, if it's not Christ, then we get utterly lost. And we see the effects of this lostness, and we feel it. And we need to be rescued. And we need to be rescued not just by a good teacher, who we try and follow and do our best to live according to the ways in which that teacher is teaching us. No, we are sheep, and we are in need of a saviour. And the parable of lost sheep reveals that just as sheep are by nature unable to avoid straying from their shepherd, the sheep did get lost. So we as human beings, because of our sinful nature, are totally lost in need of rescue by Jesus. That's what our story is telling us. But in rescuing us from our sin, Jesus is not only showing us the power of grace about an individual coming into that relationship with the good shepherd, with Christ. Through his ministry, he also demonstrates the power of grace to create a new kind of community 
He was sitting and eating with sinners and tax collectors. And Jesus is building a community the likes the world has never seen. That bonds all kinds of people together and offers healing and acceptance by the grace of Jesus Christ. This morning, how the world needs Jesus as Savior. And how we need the new community that he is building in the world. Not just here in Bath in our home of grace, but everywhere throughout the world. And not just this morning, but every morning. But as we approach this story, we need to understand two sets of people that Jesus is speaking to here. The onlookers, as it were, who are muttering or murmuring. Not that we ever mutter or murmur here, of course. There is the Essenes. It's a community of John's community, who in a way dealt with the problems in the world by separating themselves from the world, to keep themselves set apart for God, fulfilling his purposes by literally taking themselves out into the desert. And some are called to this set-apart life, to pray for the world, to be in the world but not of the world. And that is one response. And then there's the Pharisees, who Jesus particularly is speaking to, who opted to remain in the city. They weren't like the Essenes and went away, but they stayed in the city. However, they were careful who they sat down and ate with. Because if they sat down and ate with somebody, it might make them unclean. And they were keen to keep the rules. They were keen for everybody to keep the rules. They were keen for everybody to follow the teachings. Because then, if you followed the teachings and if you did everything right, everything would be all right, wouldn't it? Logical. But Luke records, Jesus ate with sinners. And it is because of this that the Pharisees are muttering and murmuring. For inviting someone in and eating with them in Jesus' culture meant an offering of friendship. It was saying, I want to be in community with you. And the Pharisees watched Jesus trying to build a community of faith with the wrong sort of people. Never have we seen a rabbi like this, I'm sure they muttered. Surely people like these should be excluded, kept out, because a faith community is based on the idea that you are obeying God. You are living according to God's ways, keeping His covenant as set out in the Ten Commandments very clearly. And so we become people who are different in the world. We become a light to the nations. Surely the people Jesus is eating with and drinking with, surely they definitely are not the right sort of people. So what on earth is Jesus doing? We would not do that. And Jesus has a new way of doing things because he's creating a new community, as we heard in Isaiah. A new community that the world has never seen before. And the Pharisees object. And in response to this, Jesus, you see, is telling them this story. These three stories, actually, that all hold together in one. And one of the great themes of this parable, as a result of Jesus being in the world, telling this story, is joy. There is joy. Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep. As a person comes into the village with this messy, messy sheep hanging over his shoulders with all sorts of stuff coming down the side, he's saying, rejoice, rejoice. 
And the woman who is searching for these coins that were so important to her, every one must be found. Rejoice, for my coin that was lost is now found. Rejoice, for my son was dead, but now he is alive. And remember Jesus, the anointed and sent one, the one going from town to town, from village to village, to bring the message that you are not rejected, you are accepted. You are not lost. You are lost, but found. You are not in darkness, but you're in light. You are not dead. You are now alive. This is the message of joy that Jesus is bringing into the world that was heralded at his birth when shepherds and kings arrive, which we're going to be celebrating in 40 days. Nearly? Anyway, anyway, don't worry. Be peace, be at peace. And that whole movement of Jesus from the community and company of heaven coming and descending on earth reveals to us Jesus knows the company of heaven. And therefore, when he says, I tell you that in the same way, there should be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. What an amazing thing that is. That Jesus, who knows heaven, who has existed there before the world began, can come and say that and know it, and know it to be true. What we read this morning, you see, is that we are not just lost, but we are infinitely found by God. We are one of God's treasures, like the coin. He leaves his entire wealth, the glory of heaven. He leaves the 99, and he comes after just the one. And he goes, and hears the father running to the wayward son or daughter. The father running to meet you. I'm his treasure. You are his treasure. And the shepherd will do everything to bring me home. And he does. That's what he does. It's grace. It's grace from first to last. Even though we're lost, even though the world looks lost today, the shepherd is still searching for his treasure. And Newton wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, for I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. He's describing what it is to become a Christian from his place of working with the slave trade. That amazing moment when you discover you are not lost but infinitely valued and loved and saved by sheer grace. It's great working with curates who offer you great theological tomes when you're preparing sermons. And Esther, as I was struggling over this sermon, offered me this lovely book, Jesus Told Stories, a children's book, as a way in. And in this children's story, the woman looks for her lost coins in all sorts of places. The woman picks up her silver coins. No. Here we go. Perhaps it's under the rug. There is no sign of it there. Perhaps it's bounced into the fireplace. And carefully she shifts, sifts through the ashes. What a messy job. But no, the coin is not there. Perhaps it rolled under the door and out into the garden. And she searches high and low in the garden, but she cannot find the coin anywhere. She even looks inside her pots and pans, and even though she really knows it can't be there, clatter-bang, what a noise she's making. She's making so much noise, she's woken up the cat. 
serves him right. He's off to find a quiet spot in the garden, and there, there it is. The cat was lying on the coin all the time. And the missing silver coin is found. And the woman laughs. She's so happy. She calls a friend to tell her the good news. And Jesus says, we are like the woman's silver coins. God wants every single one of us. So often the church can portray itself as morally superior to everyone else and feel good about being so good the do-gooders we are sometimes referred to as. We do good. We do. And it feels good. But what effect this can have is it can exclude those who feel bad, who feel bad about themselves, who feel that their life is too much of a mess, who feel lost and that there's no hope of being found. But God, like the woman, does not give up even if it gets messy on the way. And there is no messier place than the cross that we will remember in a moment. And we have the God who says, love made me welcome, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love observing me grow slack on my first entrance in, inquired if I lacked anything. A guest, I answered, worthy to be here, You shall be he. I, the unkind, the ungrateful. Ah, my dear, I cannot look on thee. Love, smiling, took my hand and did reply, Who made the eyes but I? Truth, Lord, but I've marred them. Let my shame go where it doth deserve. And know you not, says love, Who bore the blame? Then I will serve, I said. No, said love. You must sit down and taste my meat. So I did sit and eat. George Herbert revealing love that continually, continually wants to welcome in those who are lost, who are guilty of dust and sin, who have marred the image of God, and it's utter sheer grace. We think we can deserve this and serve it and do it all. But no, we have to come here and sit and eat. And when someone is found by grace, this brings a deep joy and forms a new community of grace-filled people who knows what it is to be rescued, like sheep that wandered or a coin that got lost and is found. And this brings joy that does not make you feel superior to other people because it's all gift. It's all grace. It's not about you. It's not about me. It is about the God who welcomes us. Recently, I was asked to describe a highlight in my ministerial life. What is it that had brought me joy? And for me, this is the next slide, thank you, Stephen, was powerfully expressed during our house party at Lee Abbey in 2014, in June. We were there on Midsummer's Evening, and this is Midsummer's Evening. And we gathered under the crosses for a service. And I looked out, and I saw the beautiful community that God had formed over seven years then, eight years now. A complete mix of different churches coming together, where individuals had come from the Snow Hill community, 
standing alongside all kinds of different people from all kinds of different walks of life. Where new people had walked into this beautifully restored building that had become a home to be opened up to the world and let people in through activity days, through our cafe, through all kinds of different things that you saw on the screen, through Men Behaving Dadly, where we're simply saying, come and be welcomed, come and be welcomed. And as they come in, as we prayed this morning, in so doing, each person has found themselves restored and renewed. On that evening, one lady drew near to me and simply said, Simon, I didn't know the Father loved me so much. Knowing her journey and the care that had been revealed to her, that's when I knew God had given the vision to build a home of grace. This was my highlight. This is my joy. You. And that's how God feels. When all people come home, and when we as a church bear witness to the way God reveals himself in this beautiful story in Luke 15. Who will you go running out to this week into the world and bring home? And as we hear fire engines and sirens, the world needs you to run. The world needs you to go from this place of grace where pain of all the world is held, the pain in the tension of Christ upon the cross reaching deep into the brokenness to pull it back together with love. That's why Paul in chapter 2 of Ephesians can say, we have died and risen with Christ in grace. And at the end he can say, we're like living stones fitted together into a beautiful temple. It isn't just the building you see that's been beautifully restored. We have And Paul is possibly talking or thinking about 1 Kings chapter 6. Because it's in that passage that we learn how Solomon's temple was built. It was built, began in a quarry. And the stonemasons worked really hard on the blocks, these big blocks of stone, huge blocks. Some of you have seen them if you've been to Israel. They took stones and they chiseled away and they hammered. And they did that and they made each stone perfectly so perfectly that when they built the temple in Jerusalem, the temple went up in silence. No hammer, no chisel. Because of the quarry, they had been so perfectly formed that when they came together, they fit. They fitted perfectly. And Paul is saying, if you've been to the quarry, If you have been through a life and death experience of grace, if you have been hammered and chiseled at the cross, you will find that when you meet another Christian, you fit. There's a bond, something deeper of new birth, and a new community is formed that the world is searching for, where barriers are broken down through the death of Christ. And this has been the passion that Anne and I have shared for you, with you in Bath to bring people into the presence of Christ, building a new community, building a home of grace together.
But as we have been reading in Luke, Jesus, the anointed and sent one, moves from town to town and village to village. And on Monday this week, I was appointed as the warden of Lee Abbey in Devon. And on Friday, I got the permission of the bishop to let you all know this morning. So it is with deep sadness and a strange intermingling of joy of all this to come, both for us and for you, that next year we shall be leaving this community. But it's the hardest thing to do, because we love you. But we love God. And last week, Peter preached, before I went for interview, panel of eight, very fierce it was, very demanding, with a presentation to do as well. Peter preached, will you take up your cross? Will you deny yourself? And will you keep following? And that's all Anne and I have ever done. And we will keep doing. And so for some reason at this time, God has called us. There were other people, believe me. And although it may be strange in thinking of going back, we go back different people because we have been among you. And there are hundreds of churches who pass through Lee Abbey's doors who need to know what it is to be a home of grace in their city, in the country. And so he takes so much to share. This isn't the time to say goodbye, because we're still here for a bit. Christmas is coming. Great joy to the world. And the theme is joy for us all, but tinged with a strange feeling of loss and pain. But that is because we love. And that is what the world is looking for today on the streets in Paris, on the streets in London, on the streets in Bath, wherever. I'm going to hand over just briefly to Keith as the church warden who takes authority when I leave, but he's going to come and just say a few words, and then I'm going to stand, pray, and then we're going to sing a great song. Thank you, Keith. just need to put that on for you. so much. Good morning. I'm, I'm so pleased that I can say some words now. Um, and well, the first thing is huge congratulations and thank you. Um, it's, it's wonderful you've got this new post and it's wonderful that um, other people have seen your enormous gifts and your enormous love for people. So um, it's, it, it's just fantastic that you've got this post and we, we join in with your joy, with your rejoicing. <laughs> so well done, that's, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, I've also got to say that I have been um, in touch with Andy Piggott, the um, Archdeacon, so the, the wheels are in motion <laughs> and um, everything, everything there is in hand, so uh, that's happening. Um, I, I was also going to take this opportunity just to say that um, you know, I'm, I'm not someone who constantly is, is hearing from God every, all the time. Sometimes it takes me a long time to um, 
work out what it is that God's been saying to me. Over the, over the last few months, um, I've been brought back again and again to the words, Scripture, um, repeat, you get these words repeating through Scripture, um, do not be afraid. And um, I've taken that very much as something that God's been saying to me. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it's, you know, the reason I'm sharing it now is that I think it's a, a message for all of us. Um, because we're all human, <laughs> and as, as well as joining in, you know, your joy and, uh, you know, congratulating you, we, we're going to think of ourselves um, and think, what does this mean to us? So I think, I think what God's been saying to me, I think, is, is for all of us that, that we don't need to be afraid. When, when, we, when we read it... Um, again and again in scripture the what it what it's so often followed by are those words the reason that we need to follow that command um, because the lord is with us that's that's the most important thing that's why i thought i should say it now Um, the lord is with us we we don't need to be afraid that's really what I wanted to say, so well done. Thank you. Would you like to stand? Thank you. Father, we thank you that you came searching for us. I thank you that you searched for me. And Lord, as we come to communion now, as we hold out empty hands, you fill them with such grace. And rather than thinking of all we've just heard in a way, I just want you to hold one person in your hands who you will carry that grace to, who you may have a word for from God's word. For every soul is hungry, but are they feeding on Christ? Let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, so that we will not lose heart or grow weary, but continue, continue to run into the world with the joyous news that God has saved us and God is building a community to reveal the new way of living Bless us, we pray, as we do this wherever we are, wherever we go. And fill us now with your peace, your hope, and your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. As we make this journey over the next months, as you make it into the future in praying for who your new leader will be, we want to echo these words in this song that I will trust I will trust in you alone and we have a God that we can trust in we really do Jean thank you